0: Hey everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. Hey there, welcome to episode 14 of Therapy for Humans. I hope the last couple of weeks have treated you well. Guess what happened? So exciting, someone actually called in and left a voicemail. I love when that happens. So... Let's get right to it.
1: Hey, Rowan. Um, I have a question or a situation that I'd like your thoughts on. A friend of mine and I were talking the other day about having late high school, early college kids and how we are now, um, and I don't want to say faith, but we are we're find ourselves in situations where our, our kids are bringing home overnight guests. Boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, And we're, you know, we're faced with a situation of boundaries, of respecting other parents' wishes, of, you know, sort of society's expectations that we should be all grumpy and um, prohibitive. Um, And at the same time, our sort of instinct is. To support these kids that we really care about, and create an environment of, you know, with a lack of shame and healthy relationships and joy. Um, And I just like your thoughts on how how we as parents juggle all of that. Thanks. Bye.
0: Okay. So thank you for the call so much. I love it when people call, please, more people call. Um, Okay. So this is something I have some personal experience with as well as something that pops up in my practice. Um, And the caller mentions late high school, early age, early college age kids. I'm going to make a distinction here between kids under 18 and kids over 18. So if your kid is over 18 and they're in a romantic relationship, they're probably having sex, whether you let them sleep together in your home or not. So, And what your kids' partners' parents think about them sleeping together is not your problem if they're over 18. So they get to do what they want, at least in terms of the law. How you feel about them sleeping together is another matter. And your house, your rules. I personally spent a couple of years sleeping on the couch in my now in law's house. Never mind that my wife and I, not my wife at the time, but we were living together at the time when I was sleeping on the couch at her parents' house. But, you know uh, we get to sleep together at their house now. So, (laughs) so they just weren't down with it. And the rule was that I slept on the couch. And so you get to make that choice, however unpopular that may be with your child and their partner. So now that I've given you permission to not have these two young and most likely perpetually horny humans sleeping together in your home, let's talk about how it looks if you are on board with this. Personally, I feel like if your kid is over 16 and they have their driver's license and they're in a relationship, then the time for you to be exerting control over their bodies is over. Hopefully you've done a good job up to this point, and your kids trust you, and they know that they can come to you with any major problems that they're having. That having been said, this is also a time in your child's life when you don't have access to the entirety of their experience. They are doing things you don't know about, and that's okay. It is, in fact, inevitable. And it's healthy for them to work their way through the world without you guiding their every step. So trust is a massive thing at this point. You need to trust them to make choices that will not put them in horrible danger. And hopefully they trust you enough to run stuff by you that they're unsure about. And not so you can forbid or allow those things, but so that you can give your opinion and concerns about them and so that they can then go forth and continue to make their own decisions Okay, so that's kind of general advice for teens, but we're talking specifically here about overnight romantic partners. And if your teen and their partner are both under 18, then maybe you do want to reach out to your kid's partner's parents, or at least have a conversation with that kid about how their parents might feel about them staying over. You don't want an angry parent calling you up at work and demanding to know why you are allowing their underage kid to have sex with your kid when they are specifically forbidding that kind of behavior. So more communication better, but let's say that those parents are okay with it and you're okay with it, or at least you think you're going to be. And then that first morning rolls around when your kid's partner totters out of their room, all sleepy and cute, just having slept with your fucking kid. So when my little girls were little, they're not little girls anymore, but when my girls were little and they would have friends sl- stay overnight, I loved seeing them all snuggled in bed together in the mornings and watching them over breakfast in all their morning cuteness. So I wondered when my daughter's boyfriend stayed over for the first time, how I would react. I did not peek in her room to see them cuddled up under the blankets, because that would just be weird and creepy. But I did have some conflicting feelings. So on the one hand... I had these societal pressures that made me feel like I was supposed to be unhappy about this situation. Um, And you kind of mentioned this in your, in your voicemail about like, you know, well, I'm supposed to feel this way, but I don't know if that's the way I feel. Um, You know, like I, like I felt like society was telling me I was supposed, supposed to be suspicious and intimidating to the boy and disappointed and distant with my daughter. But really that's not how I felt. I like this boy and I trust my girl and, I was happy to have them stay over, and I even stopped myself from going into, like, full Julia Child mode and making a big fancy breakfast for them. Again, trying not to be creepy and succeeding. Go me. So, and you know what? My daughter sitting in the kitchen sipping coffee with her boyfriend in the morning was just as fucking cute as her sipping hot chocolate with her girlfriends when she was 10. So, so, caller, you mentioned shame, uh, and I'm glad that you brought that up, um, because I think that there's a there's a large opportunity here to shame our kids, even if we're giving permission based on how we're behaving that next day. Um, I want my daughter to have a healthy, joyous, empowered sex life. I want her to know who she is, and that includes who she is in bed. I want her to enthusiastically speak to what she wants and just as clearly communicate what she doesn't. And the only way to get that is through experience. Okay, now, my daughter, you may unplug your ears. So I worked in a college counseling center for four years. And in that time, I saw the difference it made when a kid arrived at college with some experience under their belt, no pun intended, or maybe, maybe it was intended anyway for both boys and girls, but really, especially for girls in that college environment, having had at least one sexual partner and some experience talking with those partners about what they want and what they don't want, put them in a much less vulnerable position with their new college aged partners so I'm pretty strict in a lot of ways as a parent um but I've always maintained often to the surprise of my daughters and their and my fellow parents um that if my kid was in a committed relationship in high school, that I would not be against their partners staying over, whether we were home or not here's the shocking news: teens are sexual beings, just like the rest of us, often. A lot more than the rest of us. And we're not going to prevent them from getting wild with each other, no matter what kinds of rules we put in place. And more importantly, we shouldn't. We should make sure they have the information they need to make healthy choices around sex and that they have access to birth control and devices to prevent the spread of STIs. And after that, we should get the fuck out of the way. And let me be clear. I'm talking about teens in relationship here. I'm not talking about letting your kid... Hook up with multiple people a week and have an open bedroom door policy for that behavior. That's a whole other podcast. Like, there are a lot of really promiscuous teens, and that's usually not healthy behavior, and there's usually reasons that are driving that behavior. This is not what we're talking about. So the more we can foster a healthy attitude about sex without shaming, without judgment, then the freer our kids will be to fold their sexual selves into the entirety of who they are in a healthy way. So if your team is paired up with someone that you and they feel comfortable with, then I don't see the harm in letting them spend the night. And don't assume that they're all having all the sex on those overnights, because chances are they're not. They don't want you in direct contact with their sexual activity any more than you want to have contact with that, which is to say, not at all. The more you can send the message that intimacy with a loving partner is not something that needs to be hidden, the healthier their relationship with sex and their sexual partners is going to be. So get out of the way. Don't let your own stuff become their stuff and recognize that they are actually old enough to make these choices for themselves. Okay, so we had an email come in. Um, this is a timely, wintry kind of thing. Uh, this person says, Hi Rowan, I'm struggling with my neighbor and I'm trying not to be a dick. The problem is the snow. They don't shovel their walk, even though everyone else in the neighborhood does. There's this big section in front of their house with like three feet of snow, and it's clear on either side where the rest of us have put the not insignificant effort in to clear it away. We have elderly and children in the neighborhood, and they're forced to go out into the street to get around their piles of snow. I went over last weekend when I saw them outside and asked if they could clear it away, and they said they don't have time. They are young, I'm guessing college age, and I find it hard to believe that they can't find the time to deal with this. What do I do? Okay. Well, thanks for your email. This isn't really a more, it's not really a psychological question. It's more like a, I don't know, a neighborhood watch kind of problem. <laughs> but anyway, I'll take a stab at it. So I'm sure you're not the only ones with this kind of situation going on in town. Um, in fact, I think there was a Durango Herald article this past week about snow removal. Um, although I didn't read it cause I don't want to pay whatever it is. They're charging now to read it online, but, um, Anyway, it kind of reminds me of this meme I saw on Facebook that I really need to print out and put up in the office. It says, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. So do not take this personally. If they are college kids, this may be the first time they've lived in a place where there is an expectation of home maintenance. That's often a learning curve for kids that age. Um, We actually have a group of college kids living down the street and they can't seem to deal with their driveway. So they're parking on the road. And it's a small dirt road, and there's really not room for that kind of shit. And it's been a problem. And I actually went and talked to them. Whatever, it's a whole other story. But <laughs> anyway, I get it. Um, so if you're in town, there may be legal obligations on their part, or the town's part, to clear the snow. I don't I don't know whose obligation that would be, but it sounds like if the rest of you had have done it yourselves, then it's probably your responsibility to do it. Um, and you've approached them, and it sounds like they made it clear that they have no plans to do anything about it so my question to you is are there other neighbors who are having an issue with this are you the only one if you're not the only one then you might get a group together to see if approaching those kids that live in the house or the landlord if they're renters um, and see if they respond better to a community effort rather than just like one disgruntled neighbor coming over um you might also reach out to the city clerk's office to see what their responsibility is around this um If your neighbors are not bothered by this, if you're the only one that seems to be all worked up, then you might want to look at why this is a big deal to you. Are you truly concerned for your community members trying to get past that house? Or are you looking just for an excuse to start shit with your neighbors? Dig deep, my friend. The snow may be only the tip of the iceberg. So on this note, I want to talk for a second about confrontation. I get people coming in to my office all the time. And maybe I've said this before on the podcast, but it bears repeating. And they look at me and they say, I'm I'm terrible at confrontation. And I say, good. That means you're not an asshole. You're not a sociopath. We shouldn't be good at confrontation. We shouldn't thrive and like confrontation. There are people who do thrive on that. Um, and that's a whole different deal. But you know, when we have to approach people about things like this, it's easy to make it personal. It's easy to get worked up about it. Uh, And again, I had this experience this weekend. Um, So not only are these guys parking on the road, but um, one of them didn't move over far enough or my daughter moved over too far. Anyway, she ended up in a ditch. Um, She actually honked her horn by accident as she was going in the ditch. And this motherfucker just kept driving. He didn't stop. And my first reaction as a dad and a man and all kinds of other whatever makes me... Get fucking pissed off. I wanted to go like beat the shit out of this guy. And I knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. And I knew I wasn't going to actually do it, but I blustered for a while about it. Um, and so anyway, we got her out of the ditch. We had to call a tow truck. She was in there. There's nothing this kid could have done to help her get out of the ditch, but the idea that he didn't stop to see, Hey, do you need a ride home? Or like, I'm really sorry. Or, you know, just like own your shit. Anyway, so confrontation is inevitable. We, my neighbor and my wife and I all tried to get the car out of there that night, and we thought about stopping by that night. We decided not to, which is probably a good idea. And then uh, the next day after the tow truck came, I happened to be driving by the, the house when uh, one of the roommates was leaving, and so I stopped and talked to him. And probably, luckily, it was not the roommate that, did not stop for my daughter. So it was a little easier for me to just be like, Hey, like tell this guy that this is not okay. Um, so my point here is that what happened was that I was able to have a decent conversation with this kid about what's okay and what's not okay. And what I would like to see happen in the future. And if I had gone in there kind of guns blazing and being super pissed off and, you know, ready to just like slap this guy in the face because he, left my daughter on the side of the road, um, that wouldn't have gone well. He wouldn't have been able to hear me. My opinion about how he should behave would probably not be taken well. And so good for me. And the lesson here for everybody is when you feel kind of that a confrontation is necessary, if you make it about your experience and not about what that other person did, it's going to go a lot better. Generally, if you meet somebody with, hey, this thing happened, and this is what that was like for me, they're going to be a lot less defensive, and they're going to be probably more likely to get on board with what you would like to see happen next time than if you get in their face and demand that they behave a certain way. Okay, that's your public service message for the day, and also the end of our podcast for this week. Thank you again for your voicemail. Love that. Let's get another one for the next podcast, shall we? The number is one eight four four durango That's one 387 2646 Thanks also for your emails. And that email address is rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. And if you're interested in seeing me live and in person for therapy, you can get in touch with me through durangopsychotherapy.com. Or you can just shoot me a text or give me a call at 970 903 so until next time, take care of yourself, take care of each other.